0: All right, you're listening to the Aimpoint podcast. I'm Matthew Wilkinson, and today I am joined with Jeremy Satchell, who is the head of industry capability and the chair of VetNet at BAE Australia. Jeremy, thanks for coming in. Good to be with you, Matt. Thank you. So, I'd like to kind of paint the picture for everyone and just start at the beginning. You're finishing up high school. You decide you're going to go into the military, into defence. Is that sort of was it a quick decision? How did had you? How do the story. Uh, yeah, it's you know like everyone. I've got got my own uh, little story, which is not necessarily unique. I grew up on a sheep farm in southwestern Victoria, and came from a line of farming families. Very little military service in my family history. And I was always told, you need to go away and do something different before you come home to the family farm. And I was quite fascinated with military history. I I love technology. And I thought fast jets would be a A good career. I remember watching Top Gun for the very first time, (laughs) and you know, that was quite inspiring. So, the military was essentially something I'd had my heart set on since I was about 12 years old. Fortunately, during the recruiting phase, I worked out that. I was half deaf and I didn't qualify to, you know, pursue the pilot route. So, um, I decided Army would be a, a good career and thankfully, you know, that proved out to be a great decision. Just ticked over 19 years in full-time and reserve service. So, yeah, it's been a journey and the transition out of the full-time military and, and now into defence industry has been a great one and, you know, no regrets over those last uh However many years since uh, I decided to to join up, right? Was that when you decided to sort of transition? Was that was that sort of a, an easy process to begin with? How did you sort of come to that t- decision? I certainly wasn't ready to leave the military. My career was going as it should have been. You know, army has a specific way it likes people to progress in in terms of how they talent manage and. I was doing all the right things, so to be honest, I, I had a long and you know successful army career still ahead of me if I had have kept on you know doing the things that they asked me to, and that was certainly ticking all of my personal boxes. But it, there came a time when it wasn't right for the family. And for me, that was the priority at the time. We moved back to Adelaide and, you know, another move into state was impending. And I thought, right, time time to get on with the next phase, transition out, get a real job, as they say, and look at serving in different ways. So for me, being a part of the reserves was a non-negotiable and then finding a meaningful civilian career where i could still maintain a link to to what i'd done for for 14 odd years still support my mates that were in there that that was important so for me it was all about family and you know it, it i was fit healthy educated and i had a job to go to so transition was it difficult you know there there was certainly challenges in terms of the mindset and ad- adjustment I I would describe it as for for 6 to 12 months afterwards but that's very normal it's mm-hmm. common and it's well documented so for for me I just work through that and that's why I think that experience you know drove me into the the world of supporting the next generation of transitioning vets to make sure they can work through their their own circumstances Whatever they are, and find a meaningful employment and and continue to achieve their goals. So you you kind of had a job lined up, did you? So you you sort of had something to jump straight into once you left. So that's correct. That's correct. Were you, were you? Was that sort of the? You know, you knew that's what the direction you wanted to sort of head in. It was more of an opportunity, and it came through an established network I had through a, a really good ex-military mate as well, and you know I, I had. An offer on the table, and I thought I'm just going to test this with with him first. And he goes, "Oh, how about you come and join the family business?" And and I did, and that didn't work out the way we both expected it to. Mm -hmm. It it was a a four month activity, right? And you know, we're still great mates. I've actually got dinner with him tonight, but for me, I was really challenged in that environment, and that was part of the adjustment issue for me. And we parted ways in a really good place. And that time spent with that family business actually allowed me to identify what was important Mm. and a connection to the military was still very important. So, defence industry was highlighted as that natural fit for me to transition into. Mm. So, from there, I went into a state government role for two years where Mm -hmm. I was directly engage with defence industry and, and that led me to BAE. What about extra learning though? Did you have to sort of do extra courses and stuff with where you were going or you sort of, the you kind of had that training up your sleeve? There was a really good foundation level of training and experience to lean on, but then there's technical elements that you often need to upskill in. Mm-hmm. So that was was fine. The opportunities were presented to just go away and do that. But then you, you, what you're giving up is essentially a professional mastery where you're leaving at the top of your game where everything is provided day in and day out. And you you do have to find your own way a little bit. So, And no longer is everything provided on a platter in terms of the training, the education, the skills development that you need to be a, a professional. Mm-hmm. You do have to mix and match and be intuitive and resourceful enough to you know upskill yourself to once again establish yourself as a master in whatever you know undertaking you're doing on a daily basis whether that's employment or or other pursuits so for me, I had a really good foundation. You know, the military really takes care care of you in terms of the experiences, skills, education it provides. So I was able to leverage on on that, leverage that to really hit the ground running. And despite the short tenure at that small business, I was I certainly learnt a lot and grew a lot from that. And you know, we're, we're still we, we do business together now. Mm-hmm. um as a result of that relationship and shared experience. So h- how long have you been at BAE now for? 4 years now. 4 years, right. And so perhaps perhaps for those listening, perhaps BAE who are you? What are you doing, you know, just to the the general listener? Yeah, sure. BAE Systems Australia turned 70 in Australia last year. All right. So we've got a fantastic history behind us, o- originally British in origin. But established its roots here in Adelaide 70 years ago, and and has been here ever since. We we're a diverse defence company, and in Australia we have over 6,000 people delivering for the Commonwealth in the maritime, air, land, and other security domains. So very diverse, uh, large product range, serious capability in terms of our products and services that we offer globally. Ninety thousand people, London Stock Exchange listed, with a with a large presence in the UK, uh, US, Saudi Arabia, and other Middle Eastern com- countries. So, you know, typically a global top four defense company. So immense opportunities, a very exciting place to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Was it was it daunting day one? Sort of from where you've where you'd come from it was daunting in that i didn't know the business mm-hmm. but it was was made less daunting because i knew some of the people mm-hmm. and they were my type of people they were other veterans with a shared history so they were friendly faces and they were able to contextualize the the day-to-day activities and and that's very important and and you know i'm sure we'll get to talk about the VetNet shortly, but that context and that friendly face is immensely empowering and kind of demystifying of challenges or it, de- it supports the demystifying activities that allow veterans to succeed in their workplace. Mm. So, you know, the, the power of that network and that shared experience goes a long way. So- not daunting, hit the ground running. I already knew people in in the team and they knew me and, you know, that network just grew. So it, it's been a good journey and, you know, last year we, we hit over 600 veterans in our organisation. So that network is over 10% of our business now of, wow. of that shared experience, the mm-hmm. the, uh, the peers that you can readily call upon. Right, well, I guess I guess yeah, let, let's perhaps expand on that. So networking, obviously is, is such a crucial part of this. So w- to perhaps tell me about Vetnet and what, what that involves.: Yeah, Vetnet uh, is our veteran employee reference group, mm-hmm. uh, so BAE has a very robust and ambitious diversity, equity and inclusion agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a large business and, and we want to make sure our people are well-catered for. We want to be an employer of choice and we want to represent community appropriately. So veterans is one of our three core groups mm-hmm. and humbled to be able to chair VetNet, which is our veteran-focused organisation within BAE Systems Australia. It's evolved over the last four years from essentially a committee uh, championing uh, the various topics related to veterans' affairs, whether it be leave policies, cultural initiatives, line leader education, topics like that, to now being a, a focused reference group, which is you know has a membership of over six hundred, as as I mentioned, that can really support the assurance that BAE maintains its position as an employer of choice. For us, it's all about delivering for the customer. Veterans come directly from our customer base, Mm -hmm. so they understand that and they provide immense value to our business on a daily basis. The insight, the connectivity, the, the... Networking and friendships that they maintain is good for business, so it makes complete sense for us to employ more veterans, and that's a core focus of VetNet. Firstly, uh, employment, recruitment, and retention, mm-hmm. and then as an extension of that retention effort, is the cultural aspect. So ensuring they they are employed in a safe, inclusive environment where they they feel that they can thrive and achieve their career goals so is there sort of specialized skills that you're looking for with, with the the veterans in particular or there's kind of different avenues there's many different avenues we we certainly aren't limited because we are a very diverse company mm-hmm. with with you know white collar staff ranging from project management through to engineering professions to through to the blue collar Workforce, the the tradespeople, we you know with six thousand odd people on the books and significant growth to come. I think on on last looking there was fifty or sixty open jobs and that that's fairly common, ranging from those trades through to the, the you know the complex software engineer types. So what we see in veterans is a foundation that we can. Build upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we look at them as having potential, even though they not might not be a hundred percent fit. We want to bring them in and then train them in the BAE way mm. to deliver, rather than you know going after that hundred percent fit candidate. the The veteran market offers us a really de-risked method of uh, of approaching that because we we know them we know what, what what they've done, we're able to translate their skill sets, their experiences, and we know that that fits well with our business requirements. So this is a program that when, when even yourself came along was sort of there or it sort of developed over the last few years? It was developed about six months after I started mm-hmm. and I was lucky enough to be a, a founding member of the original committee and it was the brainchild of some of our key leaders, Matt Jones and Gabby Costigan, who were absolute champions of veteran-related issues, and and continue to be so. And they realised that we we needed to do more, and we mm-hmm. could do more. So it was it was a leadership activity from them to establish the group, and then go about advoc- advocacy internally to challenge historical mindsets that you know veterans were broken or provided a you know represented a risk to our business as as the employee really changed that narrative to being veterans add value and can be our very best employees and, and they did that very well in in very quick time we've sought to build on that by bringing in additional Partners and services to increase the employee value proposition. So, uh, s- some of these initiatives and partners have just been announced, but we feel that we've got a really compelling, you know, compelling argument to make in terms of why someone should come and work at BAE uh, versus someone else in the defence landscape. Okay. Just sort of sidestep for a little bit. Given that seventy years in South Australia, do you, do you sort of see? I guess you're you're from Victoria, say, but I'm going to plug South Australia here. How do you sort of see South Australia at the moment in terms of where it's progressing with everything? given the 70 years. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm still a Victorian because I haven't been in South Australia longer than what I was in Victoria, (laughs) so I'm holding on to that. (laughs) But uh, I did make a choice to settle here because Uh of the opportunity that that we have. It's despite some uncertainty in the defence landscape at the moment, Mm -hmm. we know there's immense opportunities coming and BAE because of that Demand 70 years ago chose South Australia to be at its first location in Australia, mm-hmm. but we've stayed ever since. And I think that's testament to the, the defence industry related activity that continues to occur predominantly in and around Adelaide. And the projects are on the horizon of which we have a key part in delivering on behalf of the customer. So coupled with the emergence of Adelaide as a city, you know, it's a real global player now in terms of its culture, and you know, it's offering from a lo- you know, lifestyle point of view, it's a great place to be. So, you know, for veterans, I- I'd offer a strong recommendation. To, you know, consider South Australia as, as your yeah, transition home. There's lots of opportunities, and it's going to offer a lifestyle that that I know you'll enjoy. Well, I I will. I'll take that plug for South Australia for it coming from a Victorian so I think Mark Robinson is is uh, grinning right now listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what about you know work life balance perhaps what what how does that sort of play into you know given where you once were to where you are now like do you, do you feel that flexibility of you know, going home and being recharged from from a day's work and there's social activities out, outside of that BAE offers, et cetera? Absolutely. I think BAE ha- has a good balance in terms of the flexibility it offers to its employees through its our hybrid working model, but also gives gives us our space to be individuals as well. Mm-hmm. So I have a role which is connected globally, so I'm able to, you know, do a day's work in the office, go home, do evening meetings with the US or the UK and and then, you know, recoup that time the next day and, you know, my leadership gives me that that space to be able to run my team the way I need to do it. It's a very trusting environment, and I think a lot of this comes from the fact that we we under understand our customer. It, it also needs us to be flexible, so that's embedded in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's run and run as fast as you can to get to the end state, but when it when we don't have that demand, we can certainly take our foot off the pedal. Keep an eye on the objectives. Keep pushing towards those objectives, but have the flexibility we need. To, you know, I- enjoy our lives outside of the workplace. So, it's it's very balanced and allows us, you know, to take advantage of of this. As for Robo again, the the lifestyle that Adelaide has to offer, <laughs> if only its footy teams were better. But uh, you know. I was waiting for a football reference to, to sneak in there somewhere. In fact, I read read one of your profiles and it said that you're a, a keen uh, you, you coaching a team or something. Is that right? I, I was the president of a local club, which w- was an immense joy and certainly filled a, a big hole in terms mm-hmm. of that camaraderie that I lost when I uh, left the military. And you know, still get down and and support the boys and girls when I can. So yeah, but Big Collingwood fans so uh <laughs> still still basking in glory at the moment. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I'll have to let you off the hook on that one. But yeah, so what about though perhaps say if you come on board as an employee into BAE, you know, I guess there's there's growth basically for people who come into the company. Absolutely it it's Because we are large and diverse, we talk a lot about squiggly careers Mm -hmm. and it's really choose your own adventure. So, you know, in in my small team, I have people that are very ambitious Mm -hmm. and and want to progress and and they are veterans or active reservists. Mm -hmm. And I have others that are happy to turn up, do their job, do it really well and, you know, keep on doing that because that suits their lifestyle without that associated ambition. And that's okay. The business recognizes that we are but a snapshot of society, mm. and we need all types in order to operate effectively. But it provides the, the the appropriate mechanisms to support promotion, career growth, and it also provides the the wraparound of people who do want to treat it like a job and just do their bit and. That that's okay as well. So I think we've got a good balance there. Lots of career development opportunities. Uh, we work on a, a, a 70-20-10 model. 70% of our development should come from on-the-job experience uh, through the delivery of our day-to-day activities. 20% is delivered through internal training and development activities and then to 10% is conducted via outside agencies or, or institutions, mm-hmm. you know, your formal qualifications and the like. So, it's a really good model. It, it holds us in good stead globally. And I guess because of that global footprint we have, we're able to learn a serious amount of lessons from our colleagues in the US, the UK, the Middle East, Japan, et cetera, and, and put them into into play here. I know in the last podcast episode, Mark and Ben Shepherd spoke about, you know, some veterans sort of having an introverted quality to them. And and Ben was sort of, I suppose, talking about, you know, if you kind of come forward and say, look, I'm not the people person, but put me in the corner and I'll quietly work. Is that something too, like if, if people are just really upfront with, hey, look, this is the personality I, I give. You guys are happy to sort of, you know, mold that person into a into a position that works for them. Definitely, I, I like that analogy, and I'd refer to my comment that we are but a snapshot of society, mm. and it, it's how the s- military describes itself as well. So, we need all types to fill our ranks and contribute to our business objectives not everyone can want to be the CEO because then then you, you end up with some serious cultural issues. <laughs> uh, so, you know, whether you're introverted or an extrovert, you know, whatever your career goals, there is likely to be a role for you. Mm-hmm. And while it may not be there right here and now, the, the engagement that you're going to get from our team in terms of, you know, promoting yourself, helping you understand where you would best fit within our organisation now or in the future is going to be absolutely first-class advice and certainly help a prospective employee, veteran or otherwise, on on their, their journey towards a, a meaningful career. We spoke about VetNet before. Maybe you could expand a little bit on the key value propositions of of the, program. Of the yeah, program yeah absolutely as i said vetnets an evolution and it takes its some of its inspiration from our uk business they have a really successful support program over there program at times can be somewhat of a misnomer in in terms of you know what you immediately think of we see ourselves as as a really strong network that can support an individual or the collective. The way we do that is not via a structured approach. It's by having the resources, uh, the expertise, the willingness, the enthusiasm and the energy to just get about supporting an individual or furthering particular issue which we know is going to drive value for our veteran community. And when I say the veteran community, I mean the spouses, the families as well. They often get forgotten about and that's certainly not okay. So we've brought several strategic partners on board to help us deliver that value proposition. We have the Military and Emergency Services Health Australia team, which working with us to deliver a industry-first veteran mentoring program. The reason it is industry-first, it's unique because it brings that strong academic credibility that Mesha has, and their existing programs through Mind Right, Story Right, and a cultural competence uh, training program is really going to enrich both the veteran mentee uh, and the mentor uh, so we're really excited to deliver that this year, and then hopefully offer that to the market because we want to share. This isn't just about BAE; it's about the veteran community. Mm-hmm. So, so we're very big on sharing our learnings, and our tools and processes. Aim points, you know. And thanks for the opportunity to be here today is another one. Robo and I have spoken about the education aspect of veterans and the importance that upskilling has in terms of finding a meaningful uh, job or or career. So Aimpoint is on board as our RPL partner and certainly looking to exploit some of the other services that Aimpoint have to conduct line leader education. We, we know our, our leaders still needs some help in interpreting what a veteran is, what what does the word mean, what can I expect of a person. Mm. Then we've also got APOD, which would be well known to your audience, With You, With Me. Both of them are providing conduits for employees and, and upskilling potential candidates. Defence Bank, through their industry partnership program, you know, which offers our employees broader than just the veteran community you know, unique access to some of defence bank services, right management, as well, and our major charity partners in Legacy and Soldier On. So all of that together is a is a very rich environment for people to pick and choose what they may need in, in relation to their individual circumstance. Do I need some financial advice? Do I need to you know to upskill and get a diploma of project management? Do I need to you know take advantage of a mentoring opportunity to to grow in myself we we package that all all together and we feel that that is quite a compelling story for the prospective employee and that's why we, we strongly believe that we can provide the best home for a veteran versus, you know, others within the market. And, and we'll be absolutely ruthless in that pursuit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, very proud of that and we'll continue to bang the drum. But as I said, we want to share. We want others to to learn from our mistakes or take our learnings and adjust it to their organisation. So. It, it it's good fun, but you know, we've got the back end of our leadership mm-hmm. on a daily basis in delivering that. What what sort of advice do you have then for a veteran who is, you know, either they're you know, they're seeking right now or they're looking around. What would be sort of your key advice to them, regardless of sort of what job they're going for? Use your network. Mm-hmm. For me, the best thing I ever did was reach out to people who had transitioned ahead of me and they provided me some unique insights that I I never thought of in terms of approaching that transition journey. People are very willing to share their learnings and experience. So reach out to your mates that have gone before you. Don't settle easily. Uh, challenge yourself and challenge the market. Veterans are worth something. You, mm. you as a candidate are worth something. It is a very competitive labor market out there at the moment and and veterans can in you know if approach if they approach the situation correctly they can ensure that they you know transition on an equal if not better in a better situation so you know also embrace the journey like learn from it allow yourself to grow and develop and remember, there's lots of resources out there to to leverage. If you get stuck along the way, it's okay. It's going to be difficult. It might you might fight, find challenges that you didn't expect, but that network will rally around you and support yeah. that. And that that goes for anyone transitioning out of you know a typical institutionalized environment. So, what sort of future trends do you sort of see with veteran employment at the moment? Yeah, I think employers are starting to wise up to the value that veterans can bring to an organisation. I note that there are many organisations and ex-service organisations that are really focused on the employment aspect, which I think is fantastic because the studies show that finding a meaningful job, career, career, really help veterans succeed in society post-military service. So I think there's also a, a changing landscape in society where they're recognising that veterans have given a lot to their country, mm. thus community is rallying around them as they continue their life's journey outside of the uniform service. So I think those two aspects, firstly, the recognition that we should be doing more for the community. And we're seeing it with the first responder group at the moment, which unfortunately has been forgotten about or or not recognised for so long. They're now coming into the conversation as well, which I think is equally important. And that is driving the employment support Mm -hmm. activities and the the associated opportunities. So, employers are, are deliberately targeting veterans as a candidate group. Mm-hmm. Because they are understanding that they bring value through their skills and experience, their leadership, qualifications, and the like. So, that's really valuable. And we're also getting some really good case studies out there. We're seeing some exceptional ex-military leaders in in public office or in positions of, of power in public companies that are providing a great example so I think that's great and because it's competitive it's encouraging companies to do more mm. so the internal employee value propositions are becoming richer more generous and thus the value of the veteran candidate and and then employee increases so it's a natural groundswell for ourselves we've always recognized that but we are catching up with our policies and the overall value proposition mm. for that veteran candidate, we are deliberately targeting veterans for specific roles that typically, you know, difficult to find correct candidates for mm-hmm. or experienced ready to work candidates. So, we're going, well, let, let's use a veteran because- we know they're going to get it. We, we have a minimal gap that we need to upskill them in. Mm-hmm. They already, already have the right attitude, the right c- cultural competency. We know they're going to take less leave days, less sick day, Not less leave days, less sick days. They're going to turn up to work on time. They're going to be disciplined. They're going to know how to communicate it correctly. So, we're targeting I- in that space and I think others are doing the same. So, you know, collectively- As an employer group, that provides a a really rich hunting ground for the veteran candidate. Mm. So, going back to my previous point in terms of advice, exploit that. Mm. Get what's best for you Mm. uh, and and take the market trend as a positive that you are valued and you are wanted as an employee. That's just got my interest on- is this is this something that just like 20 30 years ago these skills were just not recognized is that what it sort of comes down to is is that it's just it wasn't uh, talked about i think so and military service wasn't uh celebrated mm. in our country the you know going back to the Vietnam and immediately post-Vietnam War era, it was the complete opposite. Mm. Veterans were broken, they were damaged, they were not valued at all, and they they really struggled. And thankfully, society has corrected its ways and it now recognises that service as you know, being extremely valuable. And I think we we are still catching up there's a bit of a way to go there's a balance between the american culture which i think is one extreme of the the thanks and the value that they placed it's it's nearly gone too far mm. and where we are which is you know still lagging behind just basic recognition and understanding the british British Society is a few years ahead of us in in some of the the trends the programs that they run, and there 's some learnings there for us mm-hmm. uh, which are, are slowly filtering into our industry landscape so yeah it, it's there's still a bit of work to do, but even when we when we address those gaps it 's then about normalizing it and as I said, embracing the first responders. And those those minority groups that do so much for society, like the least we can do is, after they've given their all through service, we provide them the opportunity to continue their career in a in in an adjacent field. All right. Well, we'll pretty much uh, finish up here, but I'd like to always throw a curveball question. And my question for you is, you know, in Australia, where do you like to travel to? What's a holiday destination that you'd recommend to people, or just. You know, even if you don't think or you know, your little hidden gem basically. For me, it's not about returning to hidden gems. Mm-hmm. For me, it's about experiencing different places. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for recently my mo- most recent trip was over to the Air Peninsula mm-hmm. here in South Australia and went to a little place called Tumbi Bay. Oh, yes. Uh, well well and truly off the beaten track, <laughs> but um, that was a, a hidden gem. Mm-hmm. But I like to go to different places. There's mm-hmm. so much to see and do. Going to the same place, I think, is is a bit of a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick somewhere... It, it it's probably back to where I spent a lot of my childhood, and that's Port Ferry in mm-hmm. southwest Victoria. Right. The The weather's often terrible, but for the, you know, 10 days of, of the year where it's absolutely glorious, you've mm-hmm. got a great little seaside village, plenty of history, good food and wine and, you know, j- just a nice little relaxing spot. Oh, great. Okay, I'll, I'll look into that one. Well, Jeremy, thank you very much for for this interview and look, I I guess I'm going to have to say good luck with Collingwood this year and we'll we'll see how that pans out for you. Back to back, (laughs) 23-24. Thanks, Matt. Thank you very much. Cheers. Aimpoint is a registered training organisation. Its code is 45936. You can visit our website at www.aimpoint.edu.au. Thank you.